Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 13 that the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them to and uh, that they gathered together and laid hands on them and prayed for them and then sent them out there from the church of Antioch, which really, in a sense, was the first uh, missionary journey that we have recorded scripturally. And I want to read to you a verse here from Acts 14, verse 27. It says this, Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So Acts 14:27 comes on the tail end of that first missionary journey and indicates to us how when Saul and Barnabas returned from having been sent out uh, by, in a sense, the church that they were a part of to participate in the work that God wanted to them, in a sense, reach into from a, a missionary perspective going out from the, uh, the local fellowship there, that when they came back, that it was the biblical practice we see here for them to gather the church together and then to give report of what God had done for them. So uh, we do what we do this evening as we tonight kind of give a, a brief report and synopsis of uh, myself and Rick's uh, trip to Honduras as an extension from this church, uh, not just because it's uh, interesting or insightful, but because it's biblical. Uh, and I hope that everything that we do as Christians and as a congregation, we do it because it is scriptural. And it's biblical, and it seems that it is very biblical. We have this account and others in the book of Acts when they would return and do such things. So uh, the nature of this trip, as we kind of said when we went out on it again, uh, really was kind of twofold. One was an endeavor really to kind of do an exploratory trip uh, to the area of Honduras, particularly where we already have been partnering financially with a orphanage there in Honduras called Mama Terra Orphanage. Uh, we've been partnering with them financially out of our missions budget for about a year and a half, two years or so now, and just wanted to go and actually see that work there firsthand, what the Lord was doing, verify that it is an authentic work that we're uh, partnering together with beyond just information we had gotten through communication sources, uh, to just go there, observe firsthand, to learn, to listen, and as well to see about the possibility then, kind of with an initial scouting trip, of maybe potentially, if the Lord leads, then possibly bringing a team back from the church and giving more of an open trip opportunity to return back with the team to go there and to do some ministry. So the nature of the trip, really just the two of us going, was exploratory to observe, to learn and listen what God was doing there, to come back and pray intelligently as well as secondarily to be a trip of encouragement, uh, to, to encourage those who are serving there as well as some of the other missions and uh, ministry activity that's happening in that same La Mosquita area to just be an encouragement to them, to visit them as fellow Christians. We brought supplies uh, to the orphanage itself, you know, uh, infant vitamins and just things like batteries and toothpaste and baby shampoo and just practical needs that we had and we were able to deliver that, some hair clippers and just some different items that really helped them 
that they were in need of. So what we're going to kind of do is I'm just going to try and run through here briefly kind of a little of what we did each day just to kind of give you a snapshot of what took place. Um, we have some pictures and stuff as well. And Rick, since he was right there firsthand, is going to try and coordinate some pictures here and there for us. Basically, day one was Thursday morning, uh, crack of dawn. We were up left here Wednesday night, went back to Rick's house and uh, we're up around 2 a.m. and uh, making our journey towards the, the Newark airport to catch our flight out. And really that day, Thursday, we traveled to Honduras. Uh, we then landed in a Tegucigalpa, which is kind of one of the large main cities there in Honduras, uh, where we then were able to connect uh, with Gustavo. And typical to how things go when you step out for the Lord, uh, that's Gustavo and his wife Julia and their one son. You can see she's expecting, actually in a few weeks, she's due with her, her second baby. But as we landed there in the uh, airport, uh, true to form how things go, uh, the one suitcase that we checked, the only one that we did check rather than bring on board, we brought our clothes on board because I was not going without clothes uh, in, in that land. Trust me when I tell you, I wanted some fresh garments uh, and I wanted them for Rick too because we were in close proximity. Uh, but Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We checked the one bag with all the supplies in it, and of course, everyone else's bag arrived in Honduras, but ours did not. So we didn't have our bag, so that was the first quandary right away, and then we're kind of delayed. We finally get out the area. We're looking for Gustavo, expecting, never met him. He was the gentleman who was going to be our, our guide and translator. I only talked to him through email. never met him before, and I'm expecting one of these little signs uh, there and we go out and there's there's nothing there we're not finding Gustavo and so no bag no Gustavo so right away all right Lord get us our bag help us to find Gustavo in this foreign land and uh, so we we connected with him eventually the Lord orchestrated the answer to those prayers and eventually got our bag and went that day checked in at the guest house and uh, then met and spent time with Gustavo and his and his family uh, and kind of talked through and planned out some of the details of the trip over a, a lunch meeting together as we ate. And, and then in the evening, we spent some time with Gustavo's family. And just to kind of give you an idea of who Gustavo is, and I think he's a key relationship going forward. Uh, Gustavo is a Honduran native. He lives in Tegus. He attended college in the United States of America here, which is where he actually got saved and was born again. And now he actually went back to his homeland and serves there as a missionary and is sponsored financially by some American businessmen who sent him back to Honduras. And he does kind of two things primarily. He does water projects in remote kind of country villages out in more of the rural areas of Honduras, gravity-fed water systems, where he actually goes with the team and he lives among the people in the villages, uh, very remote areas, and he'll stay two to three months at a time uh, and live among them, eat and do everything that they do in these remote areas. Uh, and he supplies uh, his team anyway, all the materials, but they recruit the local villagers to actually do the manual labor of the water projects so that they can have some skin in the game and so that they have a sense of ownership that if, hey, I'm going to dig these ditches, uh, this is a precious water source. And uh, so he'll spend two to three months doing these water projects at the same time they're building relationships and sharing the Lord with these people and endeavoring in discipleship. So he does that. 
And in between those stints, he coordinates teams into Honduras, and he's kind of like, remember Face Man from the A-Team? Anybody remember him? He was the guy that like always knew how to get whatever you needed or coordinate something. That Gustavo is like the Face Man of Honduras. <laughs> he just, if you need something, he knows people and is able to just coordinate things. And so he helps teams coordinate throughout Honduras, not just with Mama Terra Orphanage, but in other ways, uh, and takes uh, you know opportunity to help in that way. And also for families, who are in the rural areas that need medical help. He brings them over to Tegus to the large city and helps them get medical assistance. And uh, just a really incredible brother. 46 years old. He just got married a couple years ago uh, to Julia. Uh, and they had their one son. But he waited for so long as a strong, devoted Christian doing these water projects because he said, Lord, I need a woman who'd be willing to go live with me for two to three months uh, in these remote areas. And eventually God brought him a woman who's willing uh, to go with him actually on these trips and, and take their kids as well and just has that same gift of faith from the Lord to do that. He also takes people into his home. He has a real heart for children and takes people into his home who may have, you know, situations where there's a medical need that they can come to the larger city. Uh, Brigida and Walter is somebody who's living with him right now. This gal, Brigida, is from the La Mesquita area where the orphanage is. And Walter, this is Walter, he actually has had seizures since he was born. Uh, so they're currently living with Gustavo and his family. And he also has another son, uh, well, I should, adopted son. He's working towards getting guardianship over Anderson, who has some medical issues, who he's brought into his home. So we spent the day getting to know their family, took them out to dinner, and just uh, kind of just sought to bless them and build relationship because it's obvious that he's sort of the you know the the key person there I believe the Lord had us to connect with and he ultimately would travel with us the next morning over to La Mesquita area and he served as our guide and our translator which kind of brings us to the second day Friday morning we then myself Rick and uh, Gustavo flew over to the area of La Mesquita which is the northeastern part uh, of uh, the area of Honduras, uh, kind of the coastal area there on the northeastern part. And La Mesquita area goes from Honduras and up into Nicaragua uh, as well there. It's an area where the Mosquito, uh, mosquito uh, Indians live. So they actually speak uh, a Mosquito language. It's an Indian dialect is their first language. But they also know his Spanish as well uh, because of being in that uh, territory. That's kind of the other main language they know. So we flew from that major city over to an area, La Mesquita, which was extremely, a radically different world, landed in the city of Porta Lumpira. On, that was the dirt runway that we actually had to, to land on there. You can see that's the uh, very sophisticated airport and the airport building there in the background. That's where you check your bags and uh, w wait for your uh, flight to take off and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, again, it's an area that can only be reached by land, uh, by, excuse me, by boat uh, or by a flight because there's nothing but jungle that surrounds the area. So it's about an hour and a half flight to get out there, and it's a totally different world, dirt roads, uh, no paved roads, uh, obviously intense poverty, uh, sporadic power. They don't have power all the time. It's off and on, very dirty conditions. And that first day that we were there when we arrived, we primarily spent time visiting the Mamatera Orphanage that we partner with uh, and sponsor. And just as kind of a snapshot, Mamatera Orphanage began by a widow in her 80s. 
who not intentionally, but kind of just organically, this widow in her 80s just felt you know, concerned for starving children, some who were literal orphans who had no parents, others who were social orphans who just, their you know, parents don't want to take care of them for various different reasons, a lot of dysfunction and problems in the society and because of poverty. And she died recently, and an American girl, Linda Collins, a single woman, about 32 years old, was there for basically a one-year you know, trip. She had been going back and forth, and Mama Tara and her had just connected over her years of going back and forth, and during her one-year stint, Mama Tara died, and she took over the orphanage now. She, in a sense, stepped into Mama Tara's shoes and is now the main person. You can pray for Linda, who's leading the orphanage. The orphanage has about 23 kids residentially that live there full-time they have other kids that come in and out during the day and get food there linda runs a preschool which she's began she's a teacher at heart so she's now educating the kids as well and doing supplemental tutoring her and her staff and that first day we kind of received a tour of the ministry and spent time with her and the kids in the staff and uh, you know kind of just interacted with her do you have any other pictures rick as far as just the orphanage itself why we're um on that yeah I, I think what i have before that is just some shots of uh puerto lampera um okay. because these are all in order the way we took them this is out the front of our hotel looks lovely there but yeah when you turn around and look <laughs> the other way it's not as lovely <laughs> uh, dirt roads everywhere and this is a couple of the shots of the uh the storefronts there yeah this is like uh the main city or the main street through the city there you can You know, the, the, the mosquito uh, people are very unique as well as when, I have to tell you this, when they greet you. Um, the way that they greet culturally is they, <laughs> they, they give you a hug, and it's an extended hug. Uh, so when they hug you to greet you, they, they hold on to you tight, and you can distinctly hear them go, <sighs> because what they believe in is rather than kiss or just embrace quickly, is they want to take all of you in. So they actually take a deep <laughs> sniff. Now, in an extremely hot, humid climate where people's bathing habits aren't quite you know, where ours are at and the capability to do that, so you can imagine some of the smells, um, there were times when you just did not want to be taken completely in. <laughs> uh, but that, this is one of the things, just, they took you in and you had to take them in whether you wanted to or not. So it was... Uh, some interesting uh, greeting experiences. Uh, that's Linda there, kind of at the orphanage. A little. That's not one of the orphans there. Yeah. That's just some pictures, kind of of the outsides of the orphanage. You have any other ones? If not, I can kind of go on to Saturday and some of the other. Yep. This is their. This is their kitchen. That's where they cook at out back. All right, that was a lot of fun. Oh, of the backyard area where out the back of the orphanage there. It's a pretty large area and they have to fence most of it in. 
let me just for sake of time, Rick, kind of yep. talk about Saturday for a few minutes too, so we don't uh, overextend ourselves. The, so we spent the majority of our time Friday, obviously, interacting with the orphanage, the kids, the staff, just spending time with them, getting to know Linda, hearing her story because she's kind of the one directing the operation there now, and hearing her testimony. And we, you know, just wanted to kind of hear exactly what the Lord was doing there, and she gave us an explanation of how everything operates with the preschool and the supplemental tutoring they do, and um, that night they ate, you know, they eat with their hands, just a plate of uh, plate of beans, basically. That's it on a plate, and they. So we kind of got a, a full experience being there Friday, Saturday. We kind of went and visited some other ministries and missionary activity uh, that happens in the Port Lumpira area there as well. We met a lady, Dr. Mary Ann. She's a retired American doctor who lives there, and she operates a feeding program. Uh, for about 80 kids every day. She feeds them three times a day. She also houses in her home about eight to ten kids and provides supplemental education in the classroom. So uh, she's there serving and uh, in that kind of capacity. Uh, we also then visited another ministry called House of Hope. Uh, and House of Hope is basically a residential facility that houses and treats children with medical problems and disabilities. Uh, so they do a lot of medical things. It is a residential place where the kids can stay there or if they're malnourished, they take kids in that are malnourished to help them recover and provide things even like dental care. Um, there's uh, a gentleman there, Dr. What's his name? That started Tom that? Brown. Dr. Tom uh, that established that. And there's a number of staff that that work there. Uh, and their goal was really just to help kids get healthy again and help them medically recover and to try and get them back to their families where the orphanage literally keeps the kids 24-7 and is ministering to them. This is more of a place where medically uh, they're trying to provide medical treatment in a lot of different ways uh, to minister to these kids. Uh, and again, just a lot of kids with medical problems and again, different sicknesses or handicaps, those kind of things that they take care of there. And then another missionary uh, couple that we met, Alex and Laura, um, they're actually a family of six. They have four kids, um, Reach Out Honduras. They moved there about two years ago full time, and they're actually establishing and operating a Christian school. It's actually the uh, first ever secondary school in the La Mosquita area among that whole kind of tribal area there out in the country. Uh, they only have education up through sixth grade, which is considered incredible if you get a sixth grade education in a culture like that. If you want beyond sixth grade, you have to go somewhere completely on the other side of the country if someone can pay to send you there. So this couple has come in seeing that need, and they're establishing a Christian secondary school from seventh through twelfth grade. So there's a lot of building projects going on now and still because they're kind of building one building at a time. Uh, they established their first uh, class of 7th graders, 60 students that they just took through an entire school year, and now they're getting ready to receive their second class of 60 students uh, that will give them then a 7th and an 8th grade, and their intention is kind of to add one grade at a time as they go through the years. Really solid couple. We were very impressed with their ministry uh, and what they're doing there. And again, they're not only educating the kids on a secondary level, which is incredible empowerment to educate in a culture like that to give opportunity, but also, again, a Christian basis trying to 
help them learn the Word of God as well. And then Sunday, which was our last day there in the La Mesquita area, uh, we attended a church service at Mamatera Orphanage for the children and the staff. A local pastor comes in uh, and provides a church service for them there, um, and I had a chance to actually kind of you know teach uh, at that church service there for uh, the kids and the and the staff that were there. Do you you still have that video mm-hmm. from any of that stuff? Um, here's the one of uh, Darnell first. Uh, you want that one? Uh, Whatever you got, yeah, you can. Pastor Tony kicks in. And we ask for your help to be able to hear what your voice would say to us. Please speak to us by your spirit. And give us an ear to hear what you would say. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll try and talk louder than the rooster. <laughs> Chase the rooster. <laughs> it worked. The, the, the demon went away and then we could teach. <laughs> so I had a chance to teach a message there with, uh, with a little church gathering that was there. Uh, as kind of as a guest speaker, it was a real blessing to be able to share God's word with them. So after we spent the church service there with them, we went and... Um, Spent some time with a, another missionary couple, actually Roger and Katrina. They actually direct House of Hope, the medical missionary that we uh, told you about, where they kind of minister to those with disabilities and, and health conditions. And they're actually the longest uh, standing missionaries, currently American missionaries, there in the La Mesquita area. So we went and had a lunch with them and just kind of you know got acquainted. They've been there for a really long time. Uh, on the ground longer than any of the other American missionaries that have been there, raising their kids there, and uh, just really got to understand some things. They have multiple kids living with them as well that they just, you know, take kids in that have needs. And uh, the rest of Sunday, tried in a hospital visit. That wasn't real super uh, successful, even though we were trying to go visit two people that were there. We never really connected with them. And then, of course, went back to the orphanage for a final visitation that night and just discussed with Linda. Um, yeah, that's a little baby, the littlest one that they have. This is riding in the cab. They have no car seats, so you just hold the baby. That's the car seat as you, you journey around. So Sunday night, we went back to the orphanage for another visit, spent some time with her and the kids, and 
uh, Gustavo because he's got a real uh, technical and construction aptitude. We spent time talking about some possible projects. The orphanage is in a very dilapidated condition, so there's just an extreme amount of uh, physical and manual labor that could be done there to help try and increase the uh, grounds in the facility or whatever. And then, of course, Monday and Tuesday were kind of reverse going back. We got up, took off from the dirt one way, back over to Tegucigalpa, uh, and then had to spend the afternoon and evening there in the large city before we caught our flights back. And yesterday was sort of a, a flyback from the morning until we got home about 1 o'clock in the morning back to uh, Rick's house as we departed and kind of just did the same two-day journey backwards uh, going back. And, and let me just say this, and I'll, if Rick wants to share anything for a few minutes to kind of cap off our time, that I think there's possibility there to minister in a various number of ways. We just want to pray and ask you to pray if the Lord would lead and how he would have us to serve, if that would be what he would have us to do. And I would say pray for a few things, not only that, but obviously there's extreme poverty and incredible unsanitary conditions in a place like that, and just obvious needs to pray for. Uh, there is Christianity, but there's an incredible lack of biblical understanding because of cultural beliefs. For example, there is Christianity, but because of cultural acceptance, they also as Christians accept things like witchcraft coupled with their Christianity and, you know, major problems with just, you know, stealing and immoral concepts about marriage and responsibility with child. So there's just an incredible vacuum of just biblical, mature, you know, teaching of the Word of God. There's the vacuum of real understanding. Again, you know, the pastor is seen as someone who should be richer than everyone and kind of an exalted person. And so just some uh, unhealthy ideas they carry because of cultural perspectives. So... Rick, you want to say or share anything? I don't want to blow way over our time to be respectful, but anything you want to you add? I pretty much captured everything. It is a, a land of great need, which was a, a stark difference from here. Um, but even more than the, the great need that was there was the, the spiritual uh, dearth kind of that was there. You could just see even there were, you know, the Catholic Church was there, the Moravian Church was there, but it was just the... There wasn't there wasn't a spiritual life there. You could just tell it was just um, empty, and I think that the the people on the ground there, the gringos that were doing the work, um, all had true hearts, uh, servant hearts, to be mm -hmm. there and to do without. I mean, even them in their homes, which were uh, many standards above what the people there live in, are still um, basically slums. We would think by looking at them from here. Uh, and they just pour their hearts out there. They just um, they help one another. They get together themselves to worship together. Uh, they have women's groups together. They have church together. Um, and it's just great to see them encouraging one another because it is so discouraging when when the whole place works against you, the people themselves, the government. It's hard to get things in there to make any kind of um, upgrades to the place that everything has to be either flown in or shipped in from Seba, which is eight hours away by boat. Um, and that's if they have it in the store in Seba, then you can have it shipped down. But just seeing the, just the way that so many things just went awry, uh, people going there to do work and the materials weren't there, so they went to plan B and, and did something else. And, and just having that kind of heart that you need on the mission field, I think, is what I pray that we would be looking at to to always be um, willing, as Paul said tonight, to to step out in faith and 
and that God can change things. He doesn't tell us where we're going or what we're doing, just kind of head in a direction. And and I pray that um, as we pray here that we would be a little more clear as to what we're doing because of, of trying to set things up but still being uh, available for God to move and change in different directions. And it's just a, a joy to see people like that uh, just putting their whole hearts out there with their whole families. It's not just leaving your family at home and going down there in the short term. Some of them have been there for 20 years, I think. Katrina. Yeah, Roger and Katrina have been and there Roger for about and, 20 years in that area. Others, um, You see the, the school buildings that were there when we were talking about Alex and Laura. In two years, they built a house there. They built uh, three school buildings. They're starting on the third there. And again, it's just so hard to get materials there. It costs so much if you're if your money doesn't come in, if your your suppliers, um, not suppliers, but those who um, give their offerings to you and support you um, don't come through, you're just kind of left hanging in the breeze there, and they just kind of make the best out of everything. And it's it was just an encouragement to me to see people out there actually doing it and and having a joyful heart while they're doing it. It was yeah. just great. Yeah. And exhausted. You know, I, yes. one of the things I should have mentioned to pray for is, you know, just pray for endurance. I mean, we were exhausted. You know, just the weather and the climate and then the, I mean, the conditions are just, I mean, so unhygienic, This, you know, so unsanitary. I mean, the potential to get sick and to have problems. I mean, you know, no running water, sporadic power. I mean, just you add all those things together and you can just, you know, tell by looking, you know, you know, dirt roads rather than paved roads. I mean, just it's a whole different world than what mm -hmm. we understand and are able to live in here. And those just become risk factors. And then I think there's close to about 15 to 20 Americans in the La Mesquita area, not just in Portland. I mean, so it's, but that's a big area. Um, and it's great that they do interconnect and encourage one another, but just, you can just see the exhaustion. I mean, we, like I said, really felt like part of our purpose in being there on top of observing some of the different missions activity that was going on to get a pulse was also to just try and be an encouragement to them. I mean, to just lift their arms up, to sit with them, to just ask how they're doing, you know, have a lunch with them, you know, take them to somewhere maybe a little bit nicer and we you know try to take them out to to a lunch or to a dinner and just to bless them and to encourage them because you can just you can just see the weariness uh you know that that the drain is on them and their families so yeah it is hard too they're 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 trying to buy in bulk to to get a, a, a discount on the shipping but then you realize that you only have power for like six hours out of 24 hours and, and that's not always guaranteed so their freezers go down they lose food so you know it's just kind of those days when the the locusts come through and just destroy everything and you just you just have to get up in the morning and do it all over again yeah yeah so anyway you know pray if you would you know i, I know that's kind of a a whirlwind of a, of a snapshot and again uh, Really, the purpose of this trip was to kind of do some exploration and be an encouragement. And we appreciate your prayers for uh, the Lord's direction. And we felt like the Lord directed what we were to do each day. And as we interacted, we felt like we had a good opportunity to spend time with different individuals, to see different ministries, and um, speak into the lives of some people, to pray with them, to encourage them, and, and even just preservation that we, by the grace of God, you know, didn't get sick, didn't get shot. 
<laughs> because it's a land of incredible drug activity. That is the drug hub uh, to move drugs from further south into the United States of America. So there's tons of drug activity and people walking around with weapons everywhere. And just appreciate your prayers uh, and your participation and contribution because uh, you know it's not just those who go but those who send uh, and and through praying and uh, lifting us up before the Lord we we greatly appreciate that and we just need to continue to keep praying as a church and see what the Lord does uh, and how he might direct us uh, to continue to partner in some of those ways